It's a Mailbag Monday. We've got your questions on Ezekiel Tovar, some guys in LA and Pittsburgh, and what do the Mariners do with Jared Kalinick? Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And we had another prospect debut over the weekend. This one, shortstop Ezekiel Tovar of the Rockies, number one prospect uh, for that organization. And, you know, something where Rockies have had a rough season. That's, I mean, that's the nicest way I can put it. Uh, rough season. They were the only team to not make a single deal at the trade deadline. Kind of felt like a lost year with Chris Bryant's injuries and everything. So this is something that they needed. Ezekiel Tovar, you'll remember 2018 IFA out of Venezuela. Um, called him up. He's now played in just a couple games. But debuted against the San Diego Padres and pitcher Sean Manea. Okay. And for the game, goes goes two for four. But really interesting how he did it, right? So, very first at-bat, very first pitch. Um, it's a 91-mile-an-hour sinker. Boom, single. First pitch, one swing, one hit. Next at-bat comes up. And for some reason, Manea opens him up with a changeup. 83.7 miles an hour. Boom, single. So, first Rockies player to ever have two hits in his first two pitches. One. And then the second professional baseball player, second MLBer since 2000, to have two hits on his first two pitches. And the other guy, probably a guy you'd never guess, Chicago White Sox pitcher Dylan Cease who is three for eight in his entire lifetime batting at the MLB level, hit two base hits in his first two pitches seen at the major league level. Just kind of a weird thing that that's the other person who's done this along with you. Um, At bat number three, he grounded out to short. He took a one-two curveball. And then fourth at bat, he grounded to second on a first pitch uh, fastball. 97 miles an hour from a reliever there. And so, yeah, he was up up to the... He was on deck in the 10th inning when the walk-off hit happened. So, a grand total of six pitches and four at-bats. A little bit bit different as far as pitch recognition. Not necessarily something you were expecting. Um, His his second game, or I'm sorry, his his second game on the the 24th on Saturday, uh, struck out three times, went one for four. But definitely something where he said, and I mean, he talked about this. He said, like, I'm going to be aggressive. That's what I look to do up, to do up there. And so he decided he was going to swing first pitch. Um, and then they asked him after the game about how it felt and, you know, getting two, two hits in your first game and your first two pitches. And he's like, you know, words can't explain, but I really feel like a badass. I feel really confident the way I did it. Uh, didn't carry over to the second day, but still... Zico Tovar is a guy, fantastic defense. I absolutely feel like it's defense that can play for a while at the big league level. So 
getting him this experience, you're going to get him about a week's worth of games before the season ends. This is very useful as far as understanding what he's going to have to work on uh, in the offseason. If he goes to, uh, to instructs or not, figuring out what he needs to do. But you've called up Ezekiel Tovar, and now you've called up Michael Toglia. You have both of these guys behind them. You've got Zach Veen coming. You've got Drew Romo coming. Uh, Benny Montgomery's a little farther behind them. But you legitimately have prospects who are available uh, and are going to be adding to this team in the next couple years. And so what you've got to do is you have to start getting some of these key guys like Tovar and Toglia getting them at-bats, getting them experience, so that as the other prospects come up, one, those prospects don't feel the pressure to perform because there's enough guys up there who are doing it, and then two, so that you can begin to turn the battleship that is this organization uh, and turn them into a playoff trajectory. You have some work to do, obviously. You're not quite there yet, but there's a lot of potential and a lot of stuff that you can do with this organization, pitching-wise, position player-wise, especially position player-wise. Um, and then I think something you're going to have to fix for the Rockies is you're going to have to fix the offense on the road. Um, everybody knows that you hit well in Coors Field. The Rockies have been atrocious away from Coors Field. And so I don't know. We talked, we talked during the draft about how the Rockies drafted with a plan. They drafted pitchers whose tools, whose, whose pitches would work well at altitude. Uh, we talked about they drafted hitters that, that had the raw tools to be successful. I wonder if they're doing too much to lean into performing in Coors Field and they need to work more about what is it going to look like away from home. Well, you know, on the road when we're not, we don't have the benefit of the altitude. And the dryness, I believe it's dry, right? I don't quite remember, but either way, the altitude. Uh, how are we getting this team prepared to perform outside of home so that we can contend? Because that's going to be one of the big things is the Rockies are going to have to perform on the road. Because if not, I mean, you're not going to be, you're still going to hover around 500 if you can't perform on the road. Just something the Rockies have to figure out as an organization. I don't know. If I knew, I probably would have already uh, sold that information to the Rockies and been rich. Uh, in just a minute, uh, I want to get to, I've got questions from Barry and from Mike and from Johan about uh, a bunch of prospects and a reminder about how early is too early to start asking questions about is a prospect going to pan out or not. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn Talent Solutions. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs and then use simple tools like screening questions to make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience. So you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. And that's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. On the flip side of this, I'm somebody who just recently got a new job thanks to LinkedIn. I knew that I could go onto LinkedIn. I could put in the parameters for the job I was looking for. The industry, uh, whether it was uh, remote or hybrid or in office, uh, all the, you know, 
I could do all of that stuff. LinkedIn would give me a filtered and screened list of jobs that met the criteria that I gave and that I could quickly and easily use the easy apply option to submit my application right through LinkedIn and be directly connected with the recruiters. So from the moment that I said, I'm going to do this to when I had an interview already scheduled was less than two days because of the ease that LinkedIn jobs, uh, the how easy it is to navigate and to use LinkedIn jobs to find the roles that are fit for you. Uh, that's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Okay. So Barry via email had a couple questions about a few prospects. The first one was about Dodgers catcher Dalton rushing. So uh, 2022 fourth rounder out of um, 2022 fourth rounder out of Louisville. And specifically, Barry was asking about if Dalton was going to have a chance to stick at catcher or if he was going to need to move to DH or to a, a position in the field uh, because that's going to hurt his value. And so the thing here with Dalton rushing is he played first base in college. So he was in college for three years, lost 2020, just like everybody else did. 2021 played first base instead of catching because number one overall pick Henry Davis was on the same team. So rushing was the backup. He caught one game a week. He played first base most of the rest of the time. And then he was the starter last year uh, at catcher and really well. And that's why he was taken in the second round this year. Now, low A, 28 games in low A, 424, 539, 778, eight home runs, 19 extra base hits, um, 21 strikeouts in those 28 games, 21 walks. So I like seeing the walks and strikeouts even. It's obvious he was too advanced at age 21 for low A. So expect him to get a challenge, probably a, a high A challenge next year. Um, offense, we know that he struggles a bit with velocity, 93 and up. Not something you see a ton of, especially depending on your college schedule. But very good at identifying pitches to hit. So he's got good pitch discernment. Obviously, we can see the powers, the raw powers there. Defensively, okay, plus arm strength in college. 31% caught stealing. Uh, this year in low A was at 10%. And then first 12 games, he had six pass balls. I think the thing here, good athleticism plus arm strength, he's just raw. He didn't have a chance to be the full-time catcher until his final year of college. And then he played 28 games at the big league level. So I like Dalton rushing to be able, he has the athleticism to stick at shortstop. I'm sorry, to, to stick at catcher. I don't think he has that thought to play shortstop. Has anybody ever gone catcher to shortstop? If you know, drop it in the comments or tweet at us and let us know. I've never actually checked that. Uh, he has the athleticism to stick at catcher. And I think give him some more time and you're going to be able to figure out whether or not he's able to. I think based on what I've seen, he has the athletic tools to stick at catcher. He just has to get the muscle memory behind the blocking uh, but behind the receiving and everything. 
now, if we're still having this frequency of pass balls and this low of caught stealing next year, you know, the end of the season, then we can have the conversation about do we move him to first base? Do we move him, you know, to the outfield or something? Do we put him somewhere else? But I think he's going to stick there. And remember, at the end of the day, he's got 30 games in the big leagues. So we still have time to figure out what he's going to be. We're not quite there yet as far as the point of having to make a decision. Uh, another guy Barry asked about was Seattle shortstop Cole Young. He asked if the power is going to appear for Cole because his swing is so incredibly smooth. And he mentioned in here that uh, that Young had some helium. He's absolutely right. 2022 first rounder, six foot 180 out of high school. Spent 17 games between rookie ball and low A, the Modesto Nuts. Uh, shout out Anthony. I know you're a big fan of, of the Modesto Nuts. 385, 422, 538 was the slash line in low A. The combined line was 367, 423, 517. So in essence, the exact same, you know, around the exact same between rookie ball and low A. Uh, hit two home runs, four, a total of four extra base hits. So Young is a guy that I see, I think you're right, Barry, when you ask about the power coming in and where is it going to end up. I think he is, the power, the ceiling seems to be a little bit limited on the power, just based on his swing Based on what he does, he's got a he's he's got a good rhythm to his swing. Um, good bat path keeps the barrel in the zone for a long time. Uh, can use the opposite field. Doesn't have a lot of loft to the swing, and I don't necessarily know how much additional physical projection you're going to get. Um, he, I mean, he looks like physically like he's pretty. He's, he's not maxed out, but he's already most of the way there. And so I absolutely see Cole Young as being one of those like higher floor, lower ceiling guys. Very good defense. Um, very capable, very fluid. Can make all of the plays. Um, above average speed, not blazing, but above average is good enough. And so can make contact. I'd give him probably a 60 grade on contact. Can play defense and do all of that. I feel really good about... Um, about his floor, I think his ceiling's limited off the power unless he can figure out something. Now, granted, he's 18 years old. He's got time. Maybe he does have another growth spurt in him. I don't know. Maybe he does have more physical development that we're not seeing. Uh, can develop a little bit more, can become, uh, can, can get more power. But right now, I see him as one of those gap hitters, a guy that, that spray the ball over the field, can play really good defense, has a high floor but a lower ceiling because of the overall power potential. Uh, Mike on YouTube asked about um, Pirates catcher Indy Rodriguez and wanted to know about, uh, is, he a, is he a candidate to get called up the end of the year like they did for O'Neill Cruz last year? So I don't necessarily think he is. Uh, 2018 IFA he, by the Mets was sent to the Pirates in the Joe Musgrove deal. And he got a late season promotion to AAA. So he spent... 88 games in high A, 31 in double A. And we talked last week about the new look of the September call-up. He was a September call-up in that only 31 games in double A, but they moved him to triple A Indianapolis at the end of the season. He got five games there. Um, Overall slash line on the season, 124 games at the three levels, 322, 406, 584, 24 home runs, 67 extra base hits. 60 walks to 101 strikeouts. Offensively, absolutely looks like he's the real deal. 
defensively, super athletic, very raw. Um, the bat is there. The defense is what's lagging behind. And I think that um, if he can add some more strength, then you'll see the power come in. I think at the same time, he's looking to improve the blocking and improve the receiving. And I think you have time for him to work on those things while you're waiting for the power to come in. If you want, if either the power comes in sooner and you want to get his bat in the lineup, or you don't think defensively he's going to figure it out, I think you could move him to first base. I think you could move him to left field. Speed's a little bit below average, but it would be fine. Um, arm strength I have is just over, like, above average. And so you could move him to left field. You could move him to first base if you wanted to get him in the lineup. But I think give him time for his power to come in. I expect him probably to be a double A to triple A guy next year. Um, and then also, big league level right now, like you have catchers there this year. You have Jason DeLay. You have Zach Collins. I don't think that they're going to end up better than Indy Rodriguez is, but I think Rodriguez is raw enough where he needs to be in a more controlled environment that's focused on development versus winning games like the big league team is, even though they're not playing for anything, they're still there to win games. So um, like Indy Rodriguez, I like what he's doing. I don't see him getting a big league shot this year, but I see him next year as a double A to triple A guy and possibly to the bigs if he's changing positions. If he's staying at catcher, I'd like him to catch the entire season, be catch five days a week, get that experience in either double A AA or triple A, and then challenge in 24 out of spring training to be your starting catcher. And just a minute, uh, had some interesting developments in Seattle in the outfield, and former prospect Jared Kalinick has all of a sudden become a very important player and that is next, right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. And we're back. So, Jared Kalinick um, has had a, a, an interesting and tough career. And this question comes from Johan, Mariners fan. And he asked, what do the Mariners do with Jared Kalinick? Um, longer question that, I, that we're going to get into on the pod as far as some of the alternatives. Me and him went back and forth kind of discussing, you know, Jesse Winker's defense has been tough. Uh, Kyle Lewis has been injured. Hanniger's a free agent after this year. So, like, you might you might have to use him um, for an extended stretch. And we had this conversation before Jesse Winker got injured on Sunday. And so now it's even more important that Jared Klinik plays. And he's he struggled so much. And Johan was asking, like, how many at-bats or how many months do you give him before you pull the plug? So last year, 93 games at the big league level, 181, 265, 350. This year, 43 games at the big league level, 152, 213, 328. So terrible numbers. And he, uh, here's the hard part. So 2018 first rounder from the, uh, out of high school by the Mets in the Robinson Cano deal. And when they sent him over, he became immediately one of the better prospects in the Mariner system. I think he capped out at number two prospect in the system in 2021, was seen as the best hitter for average in the system, the best athlete in the system, has uh, above average defense. He's playing corner more so than center field. Part of that's Julio Rodriguez. Part of that is his defense isn't as 
uh, exemplary, I guess, as we initially thought it was or realized it would. And you don't have the luxury of letting him try to figure it out. The big league level. You are contending. But at the same time, in September, he's batting 375, 444, 750 since he got called back up this September. And so it's something where... Here's what I'm concerned about. His strikeout rate was at 38% when he got sent down last. Down in AAA Tacoma, he worked on it. He got it down to 20%. And he raised his walk rate from 7% at the big league level to 9% in AAA Tacoma. We know from last Monday's mailbag which stats in the minor leagues correlate to big league performance. We know that strikeout rate and walk rate correlate very strongly to big league performance. So I'm hesitant to think that the AAA 20% strikeout rate is who Jared Klinik is. Because we have a large sample size of him in triple, I'm sorry, in the bigs with a 38% strikeout rate. Now, that being said, People can improve. People can get better. Maybe he's figured something out in his swing. 22 years old, uh, kind of obviously kind of had a come to Jesus moment. Maybe he's figured it out. Here's what I'm nervous about though. He has 400 and he has at least 490 plate appearances at the big league level. Of the players to have 490 plate appearances at the big league level, he has the second worst batting average of any of them at the big league level, um, 173. Of those players, 70 players have had more than 490 plate appearances with a batting average below 200. 53 of those 70 never made it to 1,000 plate appearances. They either were sent back to the minors, they were released, they retired, they washed out. And so the odds are against Jared Kalinick. Um, Of the 17 that did have, you know, did reach 1,000 plate appearances, 10 of them were catchers. And you have the, the, like, it makes sense because we know that defense is important at catcher. And so we give, we give a little grace little offensive grace to catchers and we don't require them to have like a 100 WRC plus because we know that catching averages, you know, below average, but the defense is important. It's just like at first base, we expect the baseline is 110 because we know that defense is not at a premium at first base and the offense is. So the only other one of those 17 that was an outfielder was Lewis Brinson. And for the most part, outfielders have to hit, right? And Brinson's had a career. I mean, he's played for five years or so. Um, I really want to say that Jared Kalinick is going to figure it out and become an elite outfielder, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, he, he's going to improve. We know that because he can't get much worse than where he is right now. We know he's going to improve. 
The question is, how far does he go? He's up right now. He looks to be pretty good. Let's hope that sticks. Let's hope that continues. I don't know if it will, but for the Mariners' sake, they need it to because they're going to make they're going to be in the playoffs for the first time in a while and they have a pretty good team and there's a legitimate chance that they can make some hay in the, in the playoffs. And so we need Jared Kalinick to be average. We need average from Jared Kalinick. If Jared Kalinick can be average, especially losing Jesse Winker to injury, the Mariners have a chance. Really excited for this week. Lots of fun stuff coming up. Uh, We've got top 10 breakout prospects in all of baseball. Uh, We've got crossover with the Cardinals. Lots of, you know, Arizona Fall League roster previews. Tons of fun stuff coming up this week. So stay tuned. If you have questions for the show, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm. Or you can email us, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com. Remember, every Monday mailbag comes from those. And if you've made it this far in the video, do us a favor. Go ahead and like and subscribe. Really does help the show a ton. Helps with discovery. If you're on audio, go out to your favorite podcast app. Leave us a five-star review. Leave comments as to what you like and don't like so we can make the show better. Uh, Until we talk next time, this has been Locked on MLB Prospects. Mm -hmm.